0: In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Due to the awful virus that is ravaging our city, our state, and our country, we have suspended in-person worship for now and instead are worshiping via podcast. In this podcast, we do all of the things that we had been doing in, in gathered worship, We sing to the Lord. We pray to the Lord. We hear God's word read, and we hear God's word proclaimed. And it's not the same because we are not gathered here. We don't get the experience of coming in and seeing each other face to face. But yet, God is still good, and we still get to worship him wherever we are, through this podcast because on this podcast as we sing and pray and read and proclaim your brothers and sisters in Christ are also singing and praying and reading and hearing God's word proclaimed and it unites us all in the Holy Spirit because God never leaves us alone And even in times like these, when we can't be physically together, God doesn't leave us alone. And that, my friends, is good news. Just a couple of things to note this morning before we go on. Tuesday through Sundays on our church Facebook page, facebook.com slash OneBaptistChurch, we have evening Bible reading and prayer and right now, we are going through the book of Mark. Uh, we're currently in, uh, in the middle of Mark chapter 4. And then on Saturdays, we always do Psalm Saturdays, uh, where we read a psalm instead of our, our normal study from the, the book of Mark. Uh, and once we get done with Mark, we'll go on to another book of the Bible and just read that one straight through. So it is, a, it is a good thing that you can uh, keep up with, and you don't have to have a Facebook account to, to follow along with that. You can just go to, again, facebook.com slash church and you can watch the videos. They're all right there, set to public, so anybody can, can see, uh, see me sit awkwardly in my apartment and read the Bible to you over the internet. Uh, We are not having a July music podcast this month. I mentioned that last week, but I just wanted to uh, remind everybody, since this is the last Sunday in July. uh, Melissa is still recovering from a back and shoulder injury um, and has been uh, encouraged to take a rest by her physical therapist. And so... Uh, she is doing that, and we will hopefully have an August music podcast um, as she heals and recovers. Also, if you know anybody who has difficulty listening to this podcast over the internet, uh, there's there's a number of reasons. You know, maybe you're not te- technologically savvy enough. Uh, maybe you don't have Wi-Fi at your your house and um, and your cell phone plan isn't, isn't good enough to, uh, doesn't have the data to listen to a podcast every week. We can make CDs of our podcast worship services. Please email us at baptist.church at comcast.net or call the church office. And we will be happy to make CDs of our services and get them out to you. Uh, and we can even bring you a CD player uh, if you do not have one of those We are glad that you are worshiping with us this morning. We are grateful for the great love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Uh, the love that brings us all together, the love that sacrificed itself for us, and the love that is victorious over sin and death.
1: Hear the word of the Lord from Acts 9:36 through 43. There was a believer at Joppa named Tabitha, which is which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill.
2: How is Tabitha? Has her health improved at all?
1: Sadly, no. She's fevered and has become
3: very pale. I'm afraid it won't be long now until she will be with the Lord.
1: Tabitha died, and her body was washed for burial, and laid in an upstairs room.
3: After so much good Tabitha has done for the people here, her passing has brought great mourning.
2: This morning I heard that Peter is in Lydia. Perhaps he can come here and raise her.
0: The Lord may yet be merciful.
1: The believers sent two men to beg Peter, please come as soon as possible.
2: I will return with you to Joppa and see what has happened.
1: As soon as Peter arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Tabitha had made for them.
2: Please leave me alone with this woman. Lord Jesus Christ, in your loving kindness, restore this woman to life. Get up, Tabitha.
1: she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up.
2: Come and see what the Lord has done.
1: Praise God.
2: Praise God.
1: The news spread through the whole town and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, living with Simon, a tanner of hides. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Father, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing our great Redeemer's name, to sing beyond ourselves extravagantly with abandonment beyond all our possibilities and all our fears and all our hopes, to our Redeemer dear, the antidote to our death, to the salve to our wounds, the resolve of our destructiveness a thousand, a million, a trillion tongues, more than our own, more than our tradition, more than our theology, more than our understanding. Tongues around us, tongues among us, tongues from our silenced parts, tongues from us to you in freedom and in courage, finally seeding our lives and our loves in your good care. And Lord, I lift up before you those in our congregation who are ill, and I also lift up the others in our congregation who have other prayer needs and prayer requests, and I ask that you be with them as uh, they are going through these times and trials in their life. And I ask that they listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit as you direct them in how they are to proceed. Lord, we have a number of families in our congregation who are grieving. Sophie Crocker's uh, family for the loss of her grandfather, and also Derek Councilman's family for the loss of his grandfather. And uh, Lord, I ask that you be with them during this time of grief as they're mourning these people that they loved. Also, Lord, I pray for people who may be recovering from addictions but are struggling with the lack of the recovery group. And Lord, I pray that they will tune in to their support person and however means possible that they will make contact with them. There are also people who have lost their jobs. There are also people who have businesses whose uh, income has been really reduced. And they're wondering how they're going to survive during this time of, uh, of pandemic. And it's a struggle for them. And Lord, I ask that they look to you for, the, for the, uh, guidance. And they seek your wisdom as to what they are to do. And Lord, I pray for the teachers and administrators that they make wise decisions about the school starting in the fall. And who's responsible for those decisions? I hope the decisions are made in the best interest of the children that they are there to serve. Lord, I thank you for the prayers that you have already answered. And we know that you are a God who loves to answer our prayers. And the prayers that haven't been answered yet, we keep lifting them up to you. And you will answer in your time. Lord, I pray for the young church. I pray for those young people's prayer requests. You know what they are, Lord. And I ask that they seek you, especially if they're graduated and they're going out into the real world with all the uh, uncertainties that are there. And I ask that they follow your leading, Lord, the Holy Spirit's leading, and what they are to do with their lives. Lord, I pray for our pastor today as he brings us a message. Open our ears, open our hearts, as we learn about God's love for us. And as always, my prayer is that this podcast will be a blessing to those who listen to it. In your precious name I pray, amen.
3: And the sea, your river runs with love for me, and I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy to be in the truth, and I will daily lift my hands, for I will always sing of when your love came down. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever I could sing of your love forever I could sing of your love forever Over the mountains and the sea Your river runs with love for me And I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free i'm happy to be in the truth and i will daily lift my hands for i will always sing of when your love came down i could sing of your love forever i could sing of your love forever I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. Oh, I feel like dancing. It's foolishness, I know. But when the world has seen the light. They will dance with joy like we're dancing now. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your love forever.
0: Our scripture reading for the morning comes from the book of 1st John, chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. This is 1st John, chapter 4, verses 7 through 21, and I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God shows how much he loves us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, We surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar, For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There is a classic sermon from... a a spiritual movement in the United States uh, in the the mid-1700s. The the movement was called the Great Awakening. And the sermon was by a man named Reverend Jonathan Edwards. uh, And it was called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And as a student in uh, public schools, I had to read sinners in the hands of an angry God twice in my education. Once we had to read in history class as we were studying the Great Awakening, and once we had to read in literature class as we were studying American literature. And the the initial thought of having public school students read a sermon uh, may not seem like such a terrible idea to some people, Except that sinners in the hands of an angry God, well, let me just read you an excerpt from Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Uh, This is probably the most well-known passage in the whole of the sermon. The God that holds you over the pit of hell, much in the same way as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire, abhors you and is dreadfully provoked His wrath towards you burns like fire. He looks upon you as worthy of nothing else but to be cast into the fire. He is of purer eyes than to bear to have you in his sight. You are 10,000 times more abominable in his eyes than the most hateful venomous serpent is in ours. And it is this sort of Talk, this sort of passage that makes up this whole sermon. That to this day, public school students, and I would presume about any student, is still reading. And the thing that makes me sad now, in retrospect, is at least... For the people that I knew when I was in high school, most of us went to church, most of us went to youth group, most of us were on a regular basis hearing God's word from scripture. And I I don't wanna take anything away from Reverend Edwards and and his fervency of belief or his, um, his desire to see people follow Jesus. But this did a lot of damage to, to people that I knew growing up. Because there were people like me who kind of had the sense that, that maybe there was something that was a little amiss about, about this. But then there were the people who didn't have such strong spiritual backbones. And all they ever knew of God was sinners in the hands of an angry God? All they, the only image they had of God was someone who is, is holding a spider over, over the flame, or who looks on humanity as humanity would look on, on a snake in their house. And a lot of people in my generation walked away from anything that looked like Christianity because of this conception of God. And the question that, I keep, that I've kept coming back to over and over as I read Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God or as I read things that sound like Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God is, is this the God that we meet in the Bible? Is this the God that Scripture attests to? Now, if you want to find this angry God in the Bible, you can. There are passages that you can find and that you can pull out of Scripture to support this sort of view. Because for whatever reason, humanity has, has this tendency to be really hard on ourselves. And we, we seem to have an easier time believing that there is a God who is angry with us and, and cross with us and who wants to destroy us if we don't do things to appease this God, we, we, for whatever reason, find it's easier to believe that than to believe that there's a God who loves us. And so there are parts of Scripture that are, are written from people who, who, have seen, who have seen enough of the life of God to know that there is a God and that he cares for us and, and he, he chose um, Abraham and Abraham's descendants to be his people and that, uh, you know, we have the Psalms and, and all of this, but they, they got a glimpse of that, but then kind of mixed it in with this this. God that you would be afraid of. So, what do we do then with passages like this one that we read today from 1 John chapter 4? Because we've seen and we know and we are acquainted with the idea of a God who is waiting for a chance to destroy us. But then there's the God that John talks about. And there's the God that is love. His being is love. And so what is it? The truth about God is love. That's what it comes down to. God is not waiting to destroy us. God is not angry with us. God is not hateful of us. And at this point, somebody might say, well, well, John, you know, okay, God is love, but God is also a ju- God of judgment, and God is also a God of justice, and God is a God of truth, and, and all of that is true. But it's judgment rooted in love. It's justice rooted in love. It's truth rooted in love. Because God is love. God's being is love. The, the fancy word for being is ontology. And the ontology of God, God's existence, is love. God loves us, full stop. And so the first thing that I, I, I hope, and if you don't get any, if you, if you stop the podcast after I say this sentence, if you need to stop the podcast, please wait until after I say this sentence that God loves you and the most helpful thing you can do for your relationship with God and for your relationship with other people is put aside this idea that God is angry with you. Because we haven't always known a clear picture of what God looks like. But in Jesus, we know what God looks like. And this is the gospel in this passage that we've read. Is that because of Jesus, we know who God is. God looks like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. The Apostle Peter tells us in in his letter that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God has always been like Jesus. We haven't always known that God is like Jesus. We haven't always fully wrapped our minds around the fact that, that God has always loved us like this. We get glimpses of it here and there. We see where, in, in, especially in the book of Jeremiah, God weeps and mourns over the fact that his people are not obeying him. And he's desperate for, for his people to turn away from idols and turn back to him. But Jesus being the revelation of who God is, reveals that God is love. And we know that God is love because God loved the world enough to enter it himself. If you don't love somebody, you're not interested in spending that much time with them. I think it would be a very interesting thing right now, if you were somebody who was in a, a sort of a dating relationship, but not a long-term relationship yet, as you know, the the quarantine and and uh, and all of the you know the the public safety public health measures uh, that we've been taking to stay away from people who don't live in your house, it would be a really interesting thing because you're still trying to find out: Do I want to spend a lot of time with this person? Do I want to spend no time with this person? And Those were the options that you were presented with. But if you don't want to be around some, if you don't love somebody, if you're not devoted to somebody, if you don't care about somebody, you don't want to spend a ton of time with them. And so you don't. But God loves us so much that he came into our world as one of us so that he could love us and show us what God looks like. This morning, I want to consider some ways that if we've put off this idea of an angry God and and clothe ourselves in the reality that God's being is love, what does it change for us as God's people? Because if you, if you think that God is angry, you're going to live your life in fear. You're constantly going to be living out of the fear that God is going to strike you down for something that you've done, that God is going to let go of the spirit of the, the, you know, the strand of spider webbing that he's holding over, you know, hanging on to as he holds you over the fire. And that's not just going to change your relationship with God. That's going to change your relationship with other people. That's going to change your relationship with God's creation. That's going to change the way you see the whole world is you'll see it through fear. But if we realize that God is love, and that God has always been love, and God is always going to be love, and that God's attitude towards you is love, then we get to live a different way. The love of God, the being of God as love, compels us to live a life that looks like love. Instead of separation from each other, we love. See, if we're afraid, if we're living out of fear, then it's really difficult to draw close to anything else. If you're constantly afraid, you're going to put up barriers whether it's between you and God, whether it's between you and other people. And if we fear, we can't love. And if we fear God, we can't love God, and we can't let God love us. There are lots of times in the Bible where it talks about the the fear of God. The, The fear of God is the beginning of understanding. And this is not the same type of fear. You can substitute in awe. You can substitute in reverence. You can see something like a thunderstorm and be in awe of it, and be in reverence of this powerful force of nature that's blowing through, but that is also beautiful. God is love. And we stand in awe and reverence of this love, and we allow this love of God to allow us to draw close to people, there are voices in our world that advocate for fear. Because if if fear keeps us away from other people, if fear separates us off from others, then we're vulnerable because we're alone. Love draws people together. When we love others, we're able to relate to them, we're able to understand them as human beings. And one of the things that's difficult about our time right now is that the way that we physically relate to people has changed. For everybody's protection, It's changed. And so we may have a hard time, as I I say, fear separates, love brings together. But love also is bigger than, than our fear. Love is bigger than, quote, what we're used to. And so we find new ways to love others because love doesn't give up. Instead of words, we have love. It's it's easy to talk. It's easy to say one thing. But sometimes it's hard to live into it. As I was getting ready this morning and looking over my notes for this message one more time, I, uh, I got a text message uh, from somebody and uh, nobody in the church, don't worry. <laughs> and I, I got this text message from somebody and it, it was a little passively, aggressively insulting. And I, I, don't, I don't think the person wanted to be outright insulting but it was passive-aggressively insulting and my my first thought was like i was irritated and then i realized i was looking over notes for a sermon about love and so i thought how do i now live what i'm about to say and the way that i did that is i didn't respond (laughs) because we can use words so easily and have them ring empty. I could have very simply sent back the word, thanks for sending me this. I could have sent that back as a message, but that would have been disingenuous because I wasn't actually thankful for it. Love is shown through action. We know what love is. We know what God's love looks like, through Jesus Christ. And that's what John is telling us here is that God showed us how much we are loved through Jesus. And most of the time we, we just usually point to the cross. And I mean, don't get me wrong, we absolutely should be pointing to the cross as we talk about love. But think about all the times that a crowd would be coming to Jesus and it said that he had compassion on them. That's God's love. And the the times that they said this, it was either a large group of people or Jesus was very tired um, or he had talked to them all day and there were 5,000 people sitting there, not including women and children, and, and they were hungry. And it was late and Jesus had compassion on them. And so when the disciples said, Master, we need to either send these people. We need to send these people away so they can get food. And Jesus said, "Well, you feed them." He had compassion on them. Jesus' life was lived out of the love of God. There's nothing inconsistent about Jesus. But sometimes, out of fear, we say one thing when we don't really mean it. We're out of fear of not knowing what to do, we don't do anything, when somebody in our life is hurting, when somebody in our life is struggling. And so love, love bids us to use actions and not words. And we trade in our fear for love. There's a a million things that we can be afraid of. In this world, in the unseen world. But I think... More than any of those things, the thing that frightens us is ourselves. Because we get afraid that maybe we're not good enough. We get afraid that maybe we've done the wrong thing. That we've chosen the wrong path in life. Maybe we get afraid that we're inadequate. And that no one could possibly love us. And John says that whenever we live out of fear, we live for fear of punishment. And isn't that the truth? If we fear that we're inadequate, we fear that we're going to someday be punished by missing out on something or being passed over for something or having somebody walk away for us as punishment for our inadequacy if we're afraid that we've chosen the wrong path in life for our career or, or anything else, then we're, we fear the punishment of not living a fulfilling life, of, of doing good work. But if we realize that God loves us, if we realize that God created us as an object of his love, We realize that we are enough. We realize that we are adequate. We realize that we are more than adequate. That as we allow God to love us, our lives are transformed and we are wrapped up into the life of God. And that's not to say anything kind of hippy-dippy that we all become little gods or anything like that. That means that as our lives become transformed by the love of God, we are becoming part of what God is doing. And we become part of God's being because God's love lives in us and gives us life. And it's because of this love that other people can see God in us. And I can, you can take that us and, and use it as a singular, you know, when I say us, each and every one of us, or you can use it as a plural. Because we, as followers of Jesus, ought to be loving other followers of Jesus. We ought not to be afraid of other followers of Jesus who look different than us or who believe slightly differently than us or practice slightly differently than us. We ought to love people who call upon the name of the the crucified, resurrected, and ascended Jesus Christ our Lord. We love them as our brothers and sisters in Christ. We love instead of being afraid. And we love because if you go back to John's gospel, he says this in a different way because Jesus is praying. And Jesus prays that we would love one another because it's through our unity that people would know that Jesus and the Father are one. If we fail to love, then we fail to project the reality of God's love into our world. If we fail to love each other, then we fail to represent a God who has one love for us. Because the world understands fear, but we need to be the people through whom the world understands God's love.
3: All these pieces, broken and scattered, In mercy gathered, mended and whole Empty handed, but not forsaken I've been set free, I've been set free Amazing grace, how sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me Oh, I once was lost, but now I am found Was blind, but now I see Oh, I can see you now Oh, I can see the love in your eyes Laying yourself down Raising up the broken to life You take our failure You take our weakness You set your treasure In jars of clay so take this heart, Lord. I'll be your vessel, the world to see, your life in me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh, I once was lost, but now I am But now I see Oh, I can see you now Oh, I can see the love in your eyes Laying yourself down Raising up the broken to life How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh, I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And now I am found was blood. the love in your eyes. Laying yourself down, raising up the broken to life.
0: Let's pray together. O God, the protector of all who trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy. Increase and multiply upon us your mercy, that with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through the things of this world that we may not lose sight of your kingdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We are grateful to be able to worship with you this morning. We're grateful for having this time with you. Next week, we will be talking about loving our enemies. And I, I don't think there are many parts of our faith in Jesus and the way that we follow Jesus that, that is that are more countercultural, that go against the ways of this world than loving our enemies but it's really hard to do. (laughs) And so next week we're going to struggle together with what Jesus says about loving our enemies. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, uh, for leading us in song this morning. I'd like to thank Melissa and Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, and Katie Witham and Gary Hunley uh, for Doing the dramatic reading of scripture. I would like to thank Jim for his prayer this morning. And I'd like to thank Gary Hunley and his wife Doreen uh, for serving as our audio technicians. And remember love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands.